Want to learn more about Ahrefs? Check out their blog or YouTube channel for step-by-step -step SEO tutorials. And their seven-day trial is only $7. So head over to ahrefs.com and sign up now. For instance, when looking at competitors, you can see the pages and content that send them the most traffic. You can find out exactly which keywords they're ranking for and which backlinks are helping them out. And then from there, you can either replicate or improve on their strategies to make yourself even stronger. Our sponsor for the show is Optio, who makes managing Google Ads accounts simple and efficient. It automates time-consuming manual tasks so you can spend more time on strategic and creative work. Whether you work at an agency with a large number of accounts or you're a freelancer responsible for a smaller portfolio, Optio can save you time and make life that little bit easier. To learn more and get a six-week free trial of Optio, go to optio.com slash S-E-J. That's O-P-T-E-O dot -E com slash S-E-J. Welcome to the Search Engine Journal Show. Thank you for joining us. This is Danny Goodwin, Executive Editor of Search Engine Journal. And today I'll be continuing our ongoing series, Better Know and SEO Pro. So let's get to it. Uh, Alan Blyweiss is definitely one person in SEO you better know about. He is a sustainable SEO consultant at Alan Blyweiss Consulting. In the past, he was director of search services at Click2Rank. He was a senior project manager of development and SEO at Website Design and director of web development for ANT Internet Computer Associates. Alan has been doing SEO and web development for 25 years. He is currently a contributor on Search Engine Journal, writing about advanced SEO. Alan has spoken at numerous industry conferences, such as PubCon Vegas in Florida and New Orleans. Uh, he's also spoken at State of Search Dallas and SMX Advanced, among others. And Alan will be speaking about technical SEO at Search Engine Journal's upcoming virtual conference on June 2nd, 2020. Uh, you can find Alan on Twitter, at Alan Blyweiss. I am so happy to welcome in Alan Blyweiss to the Search Engine Journal Show. Hi, Alan. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I greatly appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, before we dive in, uh, we're sort of several weeks into this coronavirus pandemic, which has uh, been having a big, big impact on a lot of people in our industry, of course. Um, you know, everything from losing clients, mental health challenges. So uh, I guess, you know, Alan, how are you holding up right now, both professionally and personally? Well, I, I think anybody who has not been affected on some level psychologically, physically, spiritually, emotionally, I, I don't know who that might be in the world. Uh and so the reality is that uh, I've had my challenges, the anxiety, uh, the stress, uh, and yet I, I think we're all in this together, right? Uh, so uh, I don't allow myself to uh, play the victim role here as if I'm in a worse shape than other people. Uh, it's been challenging. You know, I lost some clients because they had to postpone or or. Mm -hmm. Set their work aside. Uh, I've had other opportunities come along, though. Uh, doing the best I can. Yep. Yeah, I think a lot of us are sort of in that same boat. Uh, now I've heard a lot of stories myself, so 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Has this whole situation sort of taught you anything new or maybe provided some unexpected lessons or maybe even any surprises or something positive that you have, you're seeing come out of it? Uh, I, I don't know that it's taught me anything new. I mean, I'm 60 years old and I've been through a lot in this world over mm-hmm. the decades. Uh, as it impacts society on a larger scale and what my role in society is. Uh, what it's done is it's helped me to return back to the concept of how can I be more helpful in the world, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, even, even though my 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 revenue stream has gone down, I still, in spite of that, I actually chose to cut my rates uh, in half, in some cases as much as 70%. Oh, wow. Uh, not not with the not with the hope or expectation that I would be able to double my workload to compensate for the lost opportunities. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's to get back to the concept that we need to be as helpful as we can as human beings, regardless of what the outcome is. I can't be focused on the outcome. I need to be focused on showing up as a human in society at a time when humanity is that much more important to be right there out in front Mm -hmm. that's awesome Uh, i'm glad you're doing that because i'm you know and that's a great thing that if people can take advantage of it they should uh because you know i i I know tons of people who know your work and know you do an awesome job so that's really fantastic that you can offer that right now and uh yeah excellent um yeah and and then one other thing just one other thing with that sure um I've also been doing more pro bono work than I than I had in recent years. I've I've done pro bono work throughout the years, mm-hmm. uh, but this is another thing I can be doing to be helpful. Where it's not about any kind of income uh, concept at all. It's purely just to be there, right. to be supportive of those people who I align with in those opportunities because they're hurting, right? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Is there anything that's sort of helping keeping you motivated? Is it just that, you know, knowing that you're helping people? Is that sort of helping you yourself get through this time? Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's really easy to get lost in the worry or the, the concern or projecting about the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- where there's so much unknown right now, projecting is even more unrealistic than it normally is. And, in most of our lives. Uh, and so one of the many things that I've learned over the years on how to be able to get through life is to look for the positive and look to see what I can be doing to can be contributing positive. And that's each day I need to evaluate that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because the more I can look at positive, the less I'm going to be overwhelmed by anything that I, that is negative or I perceive to be negative. Right. Absolutely. All right. So as I mentioned in the intro, uh, you call yourself a sustainable SEO consultant. So talk to us a little bit about what, what it is that you provide for clients who come to you and are, you know, what your area of focus is. Yeah. For years I was using the word forensic instead of sustainable. Mm -hmm. Uh, There, there is some challenge to the word forensic when it applies to the kind of work I do. Uh, I specialize in strategic focus. Okay. 
and we're, and where actionable actionable recommendations come along that I can provide, they're actionable from a sustainable goal concept where I want my clients to be able to take action that's not just going to be short-term wins. It's going to be sustainable. It's going to be scalable. It's going to have more likelihood to last longer than the short term. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, based on my background, uh, marketing and development and SEO, uh, my focus is primarily site audits. Uh, whether it's a a site that uh, has suffered a penalty, manual penalty, or losses from Google organic traffic, mm -hmm. uh, Google or Bing, uh, or both, uh, and it's a one-time loss that's been a major loss, or it's been an ongoing series of continual uh, degradation of traffic and conversions, uh, or uh, somebody just wants to know, are we doing all that we can? Or for sites that just haven't ever really gotten off the ground from an organic traffic perspective, mm -hmm. uh, I look at their sites from an from an overall strategic perspective, mm -hmm. where tactical comes into play to a certain degree for certain needs, uh, yet where it's, what are you doing right? What are you doing okay? Could be strengthened. What are you doing that's causing problems? And where are you missing opportunities? Mm -hmm. um, and make recommendations from there. And then I provide support consulting beyond that. Mm -hmm. That's essentially what I do. Okay. So when, you, when you're talking about forensic SEO, I'm, I'm sort of picturing in my head like CSI, sort of, you know, the, the crime scene unit comes in and tries to figure out, you know, what happened in a murder or whatever. So are you, is that sort of like the idea with forensic SEO? It's like, you know, trying to dig into a site and just go, here's, you know, here's your cause of death basically in Google. Yeah, well, to a certain degree, because we don't have access to Google's actual algorithms. Sure. Mm -hmm. uh, so as a result of that, we can't perform, quote, forensic analysis the way um, a medical pr practitioner or uh, right. a, a forensic scientist can. Mm -hmm. We don't have that capacity, right? Right. Uh, and, and as a result, it's not as absolute in the forensic model mm -hmm. however you know i've been doing seo for 20 years right and uh i've helped enough clients succeed and overcome obstacles over the years that to at least a certain degree i can do a forensic evaluation purely based on my experience and the collective experience of the industry mm -hmm. Yet at a certain point, it also needs to integrate intuitive and that's educated guessing as much as anything in some cases, yet where it's not, when I say educated guessing, I'm talking about 20 years of education adds up, sure. right? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and testing, testing is always a critical factor here as well. We can't know every single site's potential outcome under every circumstance because of how complex this this uh process is right right mm -hmm. so testing is also part of it
Okay. Uh, and then observation afterwards. So we can use a certain amount of the scientific method. Mm -hmm. And then it, after, after that, though, uh, we're needing to rely on the experiential process as well. Gotcha. Okay. Now, did you sort of, uh, how did you sort of get into specializing in SE audits? Because I know you're really well known for doing, you know, killer SE audit audits. So uh, was that something that, you know, just sort of happened naturally? Or did you decide, hey, you know, I really want to just focus in and, you know, do do these SEO audits for, for clients? Yeah. Uh, so I had been doing SEO and managing a team that were doing SEO uh, for a, a while. And in uh, the fall of 2006, a, a law firm came to the agency I was at, uh, that was the website design you mentioned earlier. And uh, they were like, hey, we were on the first page of Google, and now we're on the 15th page of Google. We need help. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so that was the first time I had been presented a situation where I couldn't just do the things I knew that had been working for the clients we were serving up until that point. I realized in that experience that I needed to do a proper evaluation to understand how they ended up on the 15th page of Google. Uh, so that was the first audit I ever did. Okay. So that was the fall of 2006. Uh, and it ended up where it required a complete rebuild of the entire site. Uh, and we're talking about every aspect of the site, the content, the topical organization, the technical, uh, all of the signals that go into typical SEO. And uh, by the fall, uh, by so that was fall of 2006. By the spring of 2007, we had them back on the first page of Google. And another three months later, they were among the top three results for the majority of their phrases. And this was back at a time, uh, this particular site was mesothelioma focused for those who know the mesothelioma world. Uh, it was back at a time when uh, there was a lot of competition in that arena. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was my first audit. Uh, and uh, it opened the door for us offering more audits because I saw the business opportunity from our side of it. Mm -hmm. And things just grew from there. That's how that's how I got into audit work. Okay, that's interesting. So I know a lot of you know agencies, you know, offer these free SEO audits, uh, sort of as a way to attract new clients. Uh, what what's your feeling on on those? Like, do you do you think those are a good thing or a bad thing when you know agencies are are doing those those quote unquote free SEO audits? Yeah. So here's the first opportunity during this podcast for me to use the phrase that we all love. It depends. Uh -huh. um, I know a number of agencies that actually pay me to perform audits for some of their client sites and they don't charge their clients for that. Uh, and I'm doing a full blown audit. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's to, to the client. That's a free audit right now. It wasn't free to the agency. They paid me for my time and effort. However, to the client, it's free. Mm -hmm. So in that regard, I think a free audit is absolutely valid because they're getting the real deal. Mm -hmm. uh, for some agencies where they do audits in-house, uh, they can offer free audits 
purely as a marketing method, but where they actually do the proper work, and I don't have a problem with that either. Where we start to break down, though, is in the concept of what do you mean by an audit, right? right. And I've seen I've seen people claim to do free audits where they spend two hours, and that's the total amount of time they put into it. Now, the truth is, if they're really good at what they do and they have a lot of experience, they can uncover a lot of things in two hours. All right. Mm-hmm. However, however, a two hour audit might work in some cases. And the truth is, for more complex challenges, two hours is not going to be enough to cover the full spectrum of challenges, needs weaknesses and missed opportunities that many sites face Mm -hmm. so it's also a matter of what is the situation and does a two-hour audit really suffice in this case then there's the worst case scenario where they just run a bunch of tests from industry tools that spit out automated findings and recommendations that don't go nearly deep enough Mm -hmm. or, or where they only cover surface issues. So for example, if you've got a situation where your meta robots tags on pages conflict with canonical tags and where the, some of those, but not all of them conflict with your robots.txt file and where some of those conflict with your X robots the complexity is not identified through industry tools the way it needs to be to properly know where the really important issues are from a priority perspective. And then those tools don't go into the ability to communicate how to properly address them. And in many cases, when there's complexity at this scale, there's not enough educational support to help empower the site owner or manager so that they're, they can become more self-sufficient to certain degrees. So a free audit in that regard, I think isn't really helpful enough. And I deal with that a lot. Right. Uh, I'm going to take a pause and breathe because that's a lot. However, I want to wrap it up with one more concept. A lot of the audit work that I get is because people have gone to other agencies or individual consultants. They were told they were getting what they thought was an audit, but it was really a light review or it was sold to them as an actual audit and it wasn't even free. And it was really one of these surface skimming things. And unfortunately, the advice they got was never going to get them out of the hole they were in. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, there are times where a free audit or a review can be very helpful. And there are times where it's going to cause a lot of grief and a lot of lost time and resource waste. Yep. So it depends. Yep. Really does. Okay. Good answer. Uh, And since we're talking audits, uh, we did have a good question come in for you from Twitter that I want to uh, ask you. Uh, Micah Fisher Kirshner on Twitter wanted to know what's been the longest written audit and how long did it take you to write and in turn, how long did it take for them to uh, complete it? 
I guess, complete the implementation of it is what I think he's saying there. So, yeah, what, what's been your longest written audit? How long did it take you to write it? And how long did it take for your client to uh, basically do it all? Yeah, so how long a particular audit is in terms of number of pages, for example, is uh, is a subjective concept uh, because it all depends on what you put into the document. Mm-hmm. And for me, as the years have passed, I've put more time and content into educational material than I used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that can increase the number of pages output, right? Mm-hmm. Then the other fact then the other factor is uh, how much of the actual data do you put into the document itself versus separate spreadsheets, right? Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a factor for the number of pages. From my approach, though, uh, a typical audit will range anywhere from 40 to 65 pages separate from the spreadsheet or spreadsheets that contain the majority of the data. Mm-hmm. And, and with that in mind, the biggest audit I've ever done was 120 pages, and it was split into two parts. The first 60 pages were all about the flaws and the problems and why there were flaws and problems from a priority perspective and where the recommendation was a complete rebuild from the ground up, where I then created a separate 60-page specification document on that rebuild process that was technical specification, content specification, and supporting off-site reinforcement signal specification. Hmm. That's why that ended up being 120 pages. Wow. Um, how long did it take them? It took them over a year hmm. to rebuild because they it was a rebuild ground up. Like that law firm site that was a couple of hundred pages, this was a several million page site. Mm. Uh, and involved a lot of a lot of heavy lifting to get the work done properly uh, over time. Wow. Awesome. Follow-up question from me. Uh, how often do you, you know, when you present your clients with your uh, your audits, how often do they not impl- implement your recommendations? And, and just how frustrating is that for you when you, know, you see you did this work for them that would actually help them and they're just not implementing it? Yeah. Uh, how often? I don't know. I, year, year after year, I do anywhere from 40 to 60 audits on average. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on the size, scale, and the variety. Uh, I don't keep track of the specifics at a granular level, site to site, client to client, Mm -hmm. who did what, who didn't do what, who said they did it and really didn't, who didn't follow through. Uh, So I don't know actual numbers. However, I can tell you this. A lot of my clients end up not fully executing on my recommendations for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is quite often resource limitations and uh, financials. Uh, you come to me to find out what's wrong, and if I end up needing to inform you that your entire site needs to be rebuilt when it's that extreme, and it's not always that extreme, that's 
a smaller percentage uh, of my work. Uh, however, when I do that, if you're a small business and you're already struggling when you come to me because you waited two years of declining traffic before you realized you needed somebody at my level, uh, you might not have the finances to rebuild from the ground up. Uh, maybe it's not a complete rebuild, yet there are thousands of dollars worth of technical fixes that need to be done. And then you've got, in my recommendation, you've got a, rear, a year of content work, even if you had a staff of five content writers. Mm. Not everybody's got that. Right. right? Mm -hmm. uh, then there's other challenges. Another scenario is sometimes, unfortunately, the people who had been doing the work before I was brought into it are still involved which I don't have a problem with if we can all get along to get goal achievement. However, sometimes those people that were doing the work that led them to me being brought in uh, are very defensive because they're afraid that they need to either admit that their understanding was wrong or their advice was bad or alternately where they're afraid they're going to lose their jobs. Mm. And sometimes that happens. And sometimes that ends up where I can help ease them into understanding. It's not about blaming. It's about a new framework for moving forward and where we can all get to those goals. Sometimes they don't want to hear that because of, a whole myriad of reasons and they'll go ahead and tell the site owner or decision makers that they are still correct and that I'm lying for some reason. <laughs> uh, or I don't know what I, they claim. I don't know what I'm talking about. And now, now it's a matter of how, how much sway do any of us have with those people that need to hear all of the different sides of it and make a decision. And unfortunately, from time to time, clients are really codependent. Mm -hmm. And when they're codependent, they don't want to hurt the feelings of the people that led them down the path to darkness that led them to needing me in the first place. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. Uh, and then other times it's a major corporation and they've got 15 divisions or departments and there's other priorities. Uh, and uh, the SEO is one of f three, five, or eight different needs. And decision makers end up deciding that SEO gets set to the side. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole range of reasons it can happen. Sure. Okay. All right. I had another uh, question on audits. Uh, this one from Jared McKiernan on Twitter. He wanted to know, is there an ideal uh, length, I guess, like how many pages is the ideal forensic SEO audit? And I'm going to, let me just guess, this might be an it depends answer. Yeah, it depends. Yeah. What are the goals? What are the goals? What are the needs? What is the site that we're talking about? What is the industry it's in? Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, how much do you put educational content into it? How many examples do you include coming from the spreadsheets of data? Mm -hmm. uh, right. Uh, how granular do you get with the step-by-step -step tasking recommendations? 
right? Uh, who are you working with? Are you working with people that need more handholding and guidance or people who have a lot more experience, generally speaking, and they just needed strategic focus? All of these are factors that go into deciding how long or how many pages there will be in a document. Uh, and we can go even further, right? Uh, who's going to get this document? Uh, maybe it's one document. Maybe it's multiple documents, mm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, there's the executive summary. There's the content. There's the technical. I've done a number of audits where I've presented the technical document as a standalone, separate from the topical, and vice versa, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so these all come into play. Uh, there is no absolute one answer at all. Another factor is if you know that the people you're presenting to are easily overwhelmed by too much information, you sometimes will be able to benefit in the execution process by breaking it down into smaller digestible pieces where it's not a comprehensive single deliverable. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, let's stick with audience questions because we got some really good ones here. Um, one more, let's see, Jaunty Bowles on Twitter asked, uh, based on non-e-commerce sites audited in the last year or so, is there a trend of more improvements needed in content and strategy or is it more in the technical areas? What are you seeing? Yeah, there again, it depends, right? Mm -hmm. Here we go. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I provide services to clients in all different industries around the world and globally, right? So it's not just in the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not just in any one or small number of uh, niche focus industry types or, or site types. Uh, and so from that regard, uh, the pattern question is, is not as easy to answer. However, I'll say this. Uh, I have been focused on, the concept of sustainable for since that very first audit I did. And in fact, that site that I mentioned earlier on, uh, the mesothelioma law site, uh, actually has featured snippets for some of their most important phrases to this day. And SEO has not been done on that site in 10 years. Wow. Okay. Hmm. Uh, I'm talking about content. I'm talking about links. I'm talking about technical. Mm -hmm. There is no schema markup. There is no structured markup on that website. We haven't touched it in 10 years. There have not been links built to that site in 10 years. In one of the, still to this day, a very highly competitive industry because of the approach that we took for sustainability. However, where it was centered on a strong technical foundation and where emphasis was put on answering all of the important questions, even back then, and we're talking 10 years ago, mm -hmm. right? Uh, what I've come to find in recent months in the last couple of years is answering all the important questions has been a primary emphasis more than it used to be because of how far advanced Google has gotten at getting past some of the things that used to be uh, more necessary just to get foundational work done, right? Uh, 
so yeah, answering all the important questions and where I've needed clients to wake up to the fact that they were spending too much time in blogs and in guest posting offsite and where they were lacking in that answer all the important questions, evergreen concept. Uh, so that's a content issue, yet where underneath that technical factors, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so they're supporting technical issues uh, that go hand in hand with that. Right. And this is actually sounding like uh, a post that you published on Search Engine Journal this year, which is actually titled Answer All the Important Questions, where you're talking about actionable tasking. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that that and that your post there was really great. It just really goes into all the issues. You know, you're looking at common fail points, tasks required, uh, you know, rules for content, like all this really great stuff. So uh, we'll, we'll drop a link to that in the in the recap post for sure. Uh, so people can, I think this, would you say that post is sort of like a, a smaller scale look at sort of how you approach your audits? Yeah. So that I actually pulled the majority of that article right from my audit work. Oh, okay. Uh, however, with my audits, uh, I tailor it to that specific site's needs, that particular industry uh, and their goals as a business. Uh, and I include, you know, depth of examples and 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 cases uh, where they might be doing some of that now, uh, where they can go further, uh, or where competitors are doing things that they're not uh, as examples, and to show how to go about it, unique to their particular situation, mm -hmm. right? Yep. So, so that's that's the core difference between that article and what I do in the actual audit. Uh, in the audit, I need to get more focused to help them understand their particular situation and how it applies to them. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, we did have one more uh, uh, question that came in for you uh, from Brian Harnish, who is another fellow Search Engine Journal contributor. Uh, about audits, he asked, what are your biggest SEO audit pet peeves? Or I guess we should say, do you have any pet peeves? <laughs> Uh, my audit pet peeves. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think what is that, you know, what, in what regard, in what light, uh, is it about what other people do for audits or what about what, uh, I'm not sure about the question specific focus. Mm. So the answer is it depends. Sure. <laughs> Maybe I think maybe what he was asking is like what are some of maybe what some of the recurring issues that you see in audits maybe you know you know similar mistakes that you see often maybe that's how I think I would read it but uh. oh yeah well well from that regard I mean uh, forty to sixty audits a year where I've been primarily doing audits as my single singular focus mm -hmm. uh, I, I, yeah I do some additional consulting but specifically audits since the summer of 2012 right so we're talking eight years mm. 40 to 60 audits a year what do you see you see a lot over right. and over again yep right uh people people again this goes back to the notion of when you do attempt to answer important questions uh people throw it in blog posts and they end up buried in in the site 15 layers deep mm -hmm. uh, where, where, yeah, you might get a granular 
query that brings that blog post to the top of Google results, yet anybody coming in into that website from any other way is not going to find that blog post without a lot of friction, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, which brings up the concept of friction. Uh, and I want to just, I'm going to name drop Roger Dooley, who wrote the book about friction. Uh, and I recommend anybody who hasn't read his book to do so because SEO is all about the elimination of friction for helpfulness to human beings. Uh, and uh, that also includes search engines being the process of attempting attempting to emulate human experience, the elimination of friction in that process as well, right? So what I see over and over again is friction. Mm -hmm. I see it in all the different ways it comes up from the perspective of SEO. Friction in usability, friction in readability, friction in discoverability, friction in uh, helpfulness, friction in answering all the important questions, friction 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 it comes back to that in every situation i deal with hmm. awesome um so i'm i imagine to to get these audits done you you probably rely on a lot of tools uh, could you maybe share some of your favorite tools that you that you're using these days <laughs> yeah a lot of tools yeah a few years a few years ago i wrote a a a, a it might have been a blog post or it was a page. I don't remember at this point. Because, uh, yes, yeah, sometimes I break my own rules. Uh, <laughs> don't we uh, all? And before I dump into the tools, let me just say, yes, Search Engine Journal is a blog. And, well, if you should be doing evergreen content more than a blog, the truth is news sites and industry educational sites can be invaluable even though they're quote blog except the truth is they're all blog they're not a product or service oriented business mm -hmm. and when i talk about evergreen for sites versus blogging i'm talking about product and service businesses let's just get that straight sure. okay yep uh now the tools i, I wrote this i wrote this page or posts a, a few years ago and I, my top 40 tools and resources well, nowadays that's like fifty. So, mm, time uh, and a number of the ones, a, a number of the ones that were on the top back then are not necessarily on the top anymore. Mm -hmm. All right, the usual suspects. I, I need to be able to crawl a website. So, how am I going to crawl a website? Well, I'm going to go to Google Search Console because they crawl the site in a way that matters to them. So they're they're my best resource uh, for first look crawl problems. Uh, and they then expose other issues uh, that a number of tools can point to, but where Google Search Console does a really good job in a lot of ways for a lot of those, uh, and where Google Search Console falls short uh, because of certain limitations, uh, I have other tools, Screaming Frog or a number of other site crawlers for large-scale sites. Uh, I've been playing with with Sitebulb, uh, DeepCrawl, uh, and uh, then there's all the other supporting tools around that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Web page test and GT metrics are my two primary speed testing tools uh, for 
getting into the granular of where weaknesses are, where web page tests, I find their details report is the best at that. Uh, and uh, Google's own Lighthouse uh, for speed insights, for supporting understanding. Um, I don't necessarily rely on uh, a lot of the normal tools that a lot of people in our industry use uh, for a lot of the things that they do use them for. Uh, however, when I want to look at competitive analysis or if I want to look at an individual site's overall footprint, uh, I use uh, a range of tools and uh, SERPstat is at the top of the list for that. Uh, for keyword evaluations, uh, the Moz keyword tool uh, is one I rely on heavily. Mm -hmm. uh, I use the W3C uh, HTML markup uh, testing tool for code errors. Uh, I then go to uh, WAVE, W-A-V-E, as my primary source for web accessibility testing. That's just off the top of my head, the, the most important tools. And then there's all sorts of other supporting tools that are out there. Sure. That's a great list. Uh, so, yeah, uh, awesome list there. Um, cool. All right. So I figure we'll go back a little bit further now uh, to sort of where your journey into SEO all began. So tell me a little bit what you did before getting into SEO and what led you to uh, basically led you down to doing SEO as a career? Yeah, so this uh, this goes all the way back to uh, the year I was born. No, wait, that's a little too far back. <laughs> uh, no, the truth is um, the seeds of concepts of the investigative nature of SEO began in my work, in my career in the Army in the early 80s when I was in the military police. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, so long before the internet came along, I learned the concepts of investigative process. Mm. Uh, also, while I was in the army, I did uh, statistical work uh, as a crime statistician for a period of time, right? Uh, so data and numbers. Mm. I had those. That's when the seeds of these things entered my life. However, it was back in in high school where I I I was learning the foundation of marketing. Uh, and I got uh, I, I got an award for for my understanding of uh, marketing in business, right? And again, this was back in the seventies. Hmm. So yeah, SEO it started long ago. Okay, right. Uh, uh, however, uh, I got involved with web development in nineteen ninety five and building websites, uh, and then managing the building of Fortune five hundred and Fortune one hundred sites. Uh, when I was directing a web development team in the mid-90s. Uh, but it was around 2000 where one of my clients said, hey, what is this SEO? And I started evaluating and investigating that and began playing with it. Uh, painfully, badly, uh, train wreck, hidden keyword, mo monster stuff, right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and uh, continued on with the web development work. Uh, and the marketing aspects of serving clients that were web development clients at the agency that I was uh, uh, managing web development and uh, SEO generally speaking, right? Mm -hmm. uh, 
and then that led to uh, that first audit in, in 2006, right? So mm. uh, at that point, I had been doing and managing a team of people doing SEO for three, four years at that point. Okay. Uh, uh, and then I didn't make the switch to audits as my primary until 2012. So it was 2006. 2007 until 2012 where seo was seo implementation was at that point now my primary offering uh along with some web development and marketing overall uh outside of seo other web marketing um that that was the sequence you know it's just Hmm. at each point in my my career path long before the internet and along the internet it's always been about how can I provide services that help businesses to more effectively and efficiently achieve goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and SEO was just a natural next step in the efficiency model. Want to learn more about Ahrefs? Check out their blog or YouTube channel for step-by-step SEO tutorials. And their seven-day trial is only $7. So head over to ahrefs.com and sign up now. For instance, when looking at competitors, you can see the pages and content that send them the most traffic. You can find out exactly which keywords they're ranking for and which backlinks are helping them out. And then from there, you can either replicate or improve on their strategies to make yourself even stronger. Our sponsor for the show is Optio, who makes managing Google Ads accounts simple and efficient. It automates time-consuming manual tasks so you can spend more time on strategic and creative work. Whether you work at an agency with a large number of accounts or you're a freelancer responsible for a smaller portfolio, Optio can save you time and make life that little bit easier. To learn more and get a six-week free trial of Optio, go to optio.com slash S-E-J. That's O-P-T-E-O dot com slash S-E-J. Absolutely. How, for you, like when you were learning in your earlier years, how, what was the sort of the way that you learned SEO? Did, was the best thing for you reading about it, experimenting? Like, did somebody help teach you about it? Like, what kind of worked for you in your earlier days when you were learning all this stuff? Yeah, uh, I've never been a real heavy book person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so this goes all the way back to high school again, mm-hmm. uh, junior high school even, uh, but it came out more clearly in high school uh, where I'm an autodidact. I kind of like am self, self-taught okay. with, with a certain amount of where do you get your information from? You can't just sit in an isolated chamber and have knowledge uh, that's applied to the world, mm-hmm. right? Yep. It needs to come from somewhere. So that comes from a certain amount of book, a certain amount of well, specific to our world, a certain amount of podcast, a certain amount of uh, training material that others have provided, uh, and where I have always been able to be a cliff, Cliff's Notes uh, skimmer. Mm-hmm for the majority of the things that I've needed to be able to learn to then apply. Uh, And uh, so uh, it's been a range of sources over the years as our industry has evolved and unfolded. Uh, 
Uh, and when I say our industry, I'm not just talking about SEO specific. I'm talking about web development. I'm talking about marketing mm -hmm. because they're, they all work together. Yep. Uh, and where uh, I'm a skimmer and I've been blessed with the ability to know what to skim, what to skip, what to pause on and say, I need to read more. Mm. Uh, and when I say I realize I need to know what to read more, being able to know how much more I personally need to read before I've grasped what I needed to grasp to get the concept. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's not enough, though, because if you do that and then you don't test and you don't experiment and then you don't go back and look at the results to see if you were correct or not, you're going to be really, really vulnerable to flawed process and arrogant beliefs that are going to cause real big problems. Uh, so it's also about being willing to admit when you don't have enough information, when your thinking was wrong, when you thought you had enough knowledge, it turned out you didn't. Mm -hmm. You need to have the willingness to see that and uh, own up to it and then adjust and go back and dig deeper or adjust your beliefs and your process. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's been a critical aspect of my success. It's being able to uh, to evolve as necessary as well. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, are there any tactics that you see maybe nowadays that are still getting a lot of talk, but maybe don't actually have as much of an impact on, you know, rankings or businesses, bottom lines as, you know, a few years ago, maybe some tactics that, you know, people are still, you know, really high on, but don't actually pay off. Uh, does anything pop to mind in that area? Ah. Uh no, again, because it depends, and it and it really is a case by case basis some of the time, mm. where the standard trend turns out to be good and valid, uh, but then there are outliers where sure. older tactics still work, mm -hmm. uh, where Google is still not perfect in identifying uh, tactics that really quote unquote shouldn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, where people can still get away with things that they quote unquote shouldn't <laughs> uh, and where that's still a perfectly valid approach. If a business understands what's going on there right? and where there are risk assessments that still need to be made and risk discussions with clients that still need to take place uh, around all of that. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, so I'm not going to say that, yeah, you know what, this, this really doesn't work. Yeah. You know what, in, in the majority of cases, when they get to the point where they need my services, a certain particular tactic may not work yet in the general population of the web, it still may work. Mm. Uh, so I'm, I'm not going to sit here as, as and preach, to the industry or to site owners that they should or shouldn't be bothering with certain techniques or tactics or methods in every situation. Mm -hmm. sure. uh, if I put my eyes on a website and I think in this case, yeah, you've been wasting your time for two years. That's applicable. That site circumstance. I'm not going to say 
in every case. Right. Oh, that's fair. Cool. Uh, for you personally, how do you decide which clients to work with? Uh, is there any way that, you know, when you're talking to someone that you can tell that they might not be the right fit for working with you? Yeah. My biggest criteria, did you check clear? <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's no, an important one. Yeah. Uh, I, I <clears throat> that still matters. However, these days it's wire transfer or credit card. Mm -hmm. I rarely accept checks anymore. Uh, however, uh, the truth is I have a pretty strong intake process that eliminates the majority of those I'm not willing to work with. Uh, and that's built on the notion that I don't do the ongoing implementation myself, right? Uh, so clients that I would not be willing to work with based on the chaotic insanity that might only happen from ongoing relationships specific to implementation, I rarely deal with anymore uh, because you're paying me to provide you really strong recommendations that are probably going to give you at least a year to two years of work in front of you. Mm -hmm. Even if there's only a couple of months of major fixes, then there's the ongoing support that you'll need to do after that. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and where my only involvement after that is related answering of questions that come from the audit work or similar related questions about SEO overall. And I'm not dealing with you on a day-to-day, week-to-week, week-in, week-out, month-after-month basis. So my need to tolerate chaos is not as much as people who have ongoing implementation-related relationships. Sure. And as a result, as a result, yeah, if you're if you understand that you need my kind of services and you're willing to pay the rates I assess then I'm in, I'm more likely to take you on than I might've, if there was an implementation concerns. Mm -hmm. uh, however, however, I will not do audit work for any business that's, that operates in the illegal arena or where those businesses are unethical. Mm -hmm. uh, and where, you know what? Uh, I, I've got a problem if you, if you don't, buy into at least the foundation of an ethical approach to life. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Um, looking back, do you have a favorite professional memory or, high, or highlight moment of your career or something that sort of stands out for you or that you're most proud of? Yeah. Every single epic dinner I ever put on for the industry. Mm -hmm. uh, for those who aren't familiar with epic dinner, um, it started with Matt Seltola and I wanting to get together, uh, socially, uh, for an SMX West when I was not attending that particular event that year, uh, and where God bless her, Dana Lukadu said, I want to show up. I want to be there. And the next thing you know, we had 19 people and it was called that night epic. Hmm. Um, and that led me to wanting to put on dinners during conferences when I was able at different times throughout the last several years uh, where people would just get together for fun and to socialize over a really good meal mm -hmm. uh, and where the first few people paid, you know, 
paid into it, but where I eventually realized I could get sponsors to pay for it mm -hmm. under the condition that it was low-key sponsorship. It wasn't about the sponsors putting banner banners up in the dining area or or being able to, you know, hit the dinner attendees with a, a major pitch, all low key. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, where those turned out to be some of the most enjoyable memories and moments that I have had in my, in, in my career in this industry and where hundreds upon hundreds of other people who have attended those, whether one time or multiple times, where they come away spiritually fulfilled and enriched, mm -hmm. uh, emotionally fulfilled and enriched. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. It's those things. And if we, when we, can get past this epidemic i have decided that even though i haven't done an epic dinner in a few years now i'm gonna do one at the earliest opportunity for a conference um and possibly do multiple epic dinners in that first year hmm. uh it's going to be a way for people to really get back to that connection opportunity within the industry and where when it's sponsored people who otherwise can't afford to go to a really fancy hundred dollar a plate dinner are going to be able to go mm -hmm. uh and where we're going to be able to help local restaurants yeah as well mm -hmm. so yeah well I, i'm definitely looking forward to that uh, i i only have managed to get to one in florida a couple of years ago and it was fantastic so uh yeah if you get the chance uh, and you're at a conference where there's an epic dinner, get a go. All right. Um, let's see. Oh, I also, also wanted to ask you about Friday Focus. Um, so back in September, you wrote a post for our weekly Friday Focus series uh, called Mental Illness, No Shame, Lots of Hope, um, which is probably one of, if not the most honest, moving, and simply great pieces that... Uh, we've published in that series so far where you, you know, you really talked about your struggles with addiction and mental illness. Um, so I know we touched on a little bit earlier, but yeah, I just wanted to sort of see how, how all that's going for you in this new environment with Corona. Um, and yeah, if you just want to maybe talk a little bit about, about your story with that, whatever you feel comfortable sharing. Yeah. Uh, wow. I wasn't expecting this question to come up. The truth is, um, when somebody has the disease of addiction to the degree that I had it before I got into recovery and 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 uh, twelve step recovery and related uh, support process, uh, when a crisis in life happens long into recovery the potential for relapse is always right below the surface. Mm -hmm. uh, and the more stress that comes into our lives where it's consistent, repeated stress day in and day out, day after day, week after week, month after month, the more vulnerable we become to relapse. 
And I myself, my story is one of recovery, relapse, and a second chance at recovery. Mm. Uh, and God bless, I now have uh, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, six months. I now have 15 years and six months clean and sober. Mm. Wow. After a nine-year relapse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for all the time that I've got in process, the pandemic overall, the impact it's had on my business specifically, the impact it's had on my ability as a renegade need to get out in the world whenever I want to at my pace, the impact it's had on our industry, on my friends, on my family, on humanity has been really severely intense at times. Mm -hmm. And I'm an empathic human being. So I pick up on other people's emotion and psychology really easily. Mm -hmm. And that only compounds things for me in dealing with these challenges. So being raw, honest, there have been extremely difficult moments, sometimes hours and sometimes days over the past, however many weeks we've all been in this, where the best I could do is just wake up and numbly go about my day. Mm -hmm. uh, because some days it's just that rough. Right. However, however, that's not the case every single day. It's not the majority of days. It was early on. It, it Early on, it was really difficult, especially when my income collapsed. Sure. And I needed to regroup, right? Mm -hmm. um, and still, there are days where it's just really difficult to do any of the tasks that I set out for myself. And then with all of the tools and all of the resources and all of the support that I have from people that I love and who love me and who care about me and are in my inner network and inner support circle um, and all of the training that I've gotten, all of the meditation that I do and all of the other resources and my reliance on a spiritual truth. It's just that difficult sometimes. Mm -hmm. However, having said that, I am, for the most part, able to have a positive view, a positive understanding of my role in the world, a positive hopefulness for the world getting to a better place while understanding that humanity is greatly suffering right now. Mm -hmm. And while understanding that for many people, the hope is gone because they're now dead due to this virus mm. or, or they have family members who are now dead because of this virus. Um, for the medical community, for those people who are essential workers uh, who have the challenges that I don't uh, for people who 
are needing to suffer because of societal unfairness and imbalance, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and where all that I can do as one individual where I am in society is respect those realities and have a humble approach to my circumstance as it relates to theirs while not negating the fact that even though they might quote unquote have it worse than I do in many ways, I am still human and I still do suffer to the degree that I do because we are all human, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's a one day at a time, sometimes one hour at a time, sometimes one minute at a time process. When we're talking about bringing it back full circle now to the concept of mental illness, mm -hmm. anxiety for those who don't necessarily even have mental illness, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Here yep. we all are. Yep. Here we are. Indeed. All right. Um, we will move along. Uh, let's actually go to a question. Uh, we'll go back onto the SEO topic. Um, Brittany Baller on Twitter wanted to know a couple things from you. Uh, first one, what what's one of the easiest and most accessible tactics to increase a site's SEO today? I love this question. One of, one of the simplest thing tactics that people can do is say, it depends. <laughs> and then approach it from the circumstance of this site. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. However, however, as crazy as this might sound, and where it may be one of the most tedious processes, one of the simplest things that people can do is going back to what I've already talked about. It's the concept of answering all the important questions, putting ourselves in the mindset of the people we want to reach takes time, effort, and willingness to step out of our beliefs, our experience, and our educational path. So there's time involved. There's process involved. However, the moment we let go of all of us our individual or collective thinking and beliefs and understanding and actually even on this even just a little bit attempt to think about the people we're trying to reach mm -hmm. we can begin to identify the questions that they have that we may not have addressed or thought of or we may not have answered completely enough because in our answer we were stuck in our view of the world Mm. So, while it's not necessarily easy, in many ways, it's simple. Mm -hmm. And that opens up the door to opportunity to providing those answers or providing them more completely. And then from there, we need to understand how do we do it and where do we put it on the site. We need to reduce the friction to access, right? Uh, and it can begin to get more complicated at that point. However, if we slow down the thought process, we can go from 
what are the questions to what are the answers? And then from there to if I was this person and I came to this website, could I find this question and answer easily or is there a confusion and am I lost? And that will help us understand ourselves how to present it and give more effortless access to it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's going back, going back to the most important thing about SEO from day one. How helpful can we be to human beings? And from there, how do I start thinking like those human beings in order to see whether we're really being helpful or not? Absolutely. There you go. Absolutely. I think that's the simplest yet not necessarily easiest thing because it's everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. All right. And her second question, what's a non SEO thing that you've become interested in lately? <laughs> lately? <laughs> uh, oh my God. How to survive in COVID. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, given who I am in the world and my background and my experience and my challenges between my recovering addict reality that underneath exists underneath everything and beneath the surface of that is the mental illness from childhood abuse, I mean, the reality is I'm... I'm not about finding things new and interesting to get involved in because I don't have the energy psychologically, spiritually, physically, or emotionally to do so these days. Mm. Uh, and, and for me, it's complicated because of a heart condition. Mm. Uh, and, and where uh, that cumulative reality has meant that uh, I don't have a whole lot of energy to be pursuing or discovering new things right now. It's just my reality. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we'll leave it at that. All right. That's, that's fair. All right. I'll switch gears a little bit. Um, and I did mention in the intro, uh, and one thing that I'm really looking forward to is that you're going to be speaking at the SEJE Summit, which is our virtual uh, conference coming up in June, on June 2nd. Uh, and you'll be talking about technical SEO. So I know we're still obviously putting the agenda together, but yeah, I'd love to know, you know, your thoughts right now, maybe what you're looking forward to with the event, or if you, you maybe have some topics in, in mind that you're thinking about talking about or something you're looking, looking forward to talking about as part of that event. Yeah. So it's my understanding that if everything works out, that I'll be uh, speaking uh, jointly with uh, Jamie Alberico. Yes. And um, for anybody who doesn't know who this person is, uh, Jammer Volts uh, on Twitter, V-O-L-T-S. Uh, that's what I'm most excited about because mm-hmm. Jamie and I, while we both have really strong experience and background in technical SEO, uh, we come at it from our individual unique path and experience uh, approach and uh, skill set. And um, I'm looking forward to coordinating with her about what each of us is going to be focused 
and we haven't worked out those details yet. Right. Uh, however, she's one of the most brilliant people in our industry, yep. by far, bar none, without any hesitation or doubt in my mind, I can say that confidently. And uh, so I'm just excited to be able to coordinate with her uh, so that we can present individually and collaboratively uh, the best value to anybody who might be uh, participating uh, or listening in for our uh, our presentations. Uh, that's what I'm going to say about that because that's where we're at with it. Right. Uh, I want to coordinate with 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 Jamie, and uh, I'm just really excited and honored to even be considered worthy enough of participating with Jamie. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, Jamie is awesome for sure. Um, I also wanted to ask you a little bit about writing since uh, you are a search engine journal contributor. Um, do you have a favorite article that you've written? It could be for a search engine journal or for your own site or elsewhere that, you know, something in particular that stood out for you or that you're most proud of? Yeah, the the Friday Focus. You yeah. know, uh, okay. my, my story is really deep and it's really heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I do talk about the childhood trauma in there. Uh, and the abuse uh, to a certain degree. Uh, however, um, the Friday Focus article is my reality. It's my truth. It's 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 the foundation of how I show up in the world. And where, if it wasn't for the hope that was given to me at one of my darkest hours in life by my brother uh, and where I talk about the hope in that article, you know, I know I'd be dead. I I, I would not be alive today. Mm. I, I would have been dead many, many, many years ago. And if I had survived any of those episodes that I would have surely otherwise died in for any other reason, um, I would have been dead this year. So mm. here I am alive and um for all of the challenges and all of the anxiety and all of the stress of covid uh i still have a breath left in my body and i still have clients and i still have my mind and my ability to do the work that i do and i still have the blessing of being able to be of help to others in society and uh, so that article that talks about the challenges and the hope still to this day and now even more so for many reasons mm. is the thing that I don't want to say that I'm most proud of because it's not about ego. Right. I'm most grateful to have been able to have been given the platform to share that through Mm -hmm. i am most grateful to have the completeness and the complexity and the nuance of my path to have been able to share that in those words in that article Mm -hmm. absolutely and we're you know a world with alan blyweiss is a better world so uh i know just speaking on on you know my own part i'm glad that you are still here with us and uh you know, doing, doing the great things you do. So, uh, yeah. 
All right. Um, we'll move on. Uh, I wanted to ask you um, sort of a fun question, but if you weren't in search or marketing, uh, is there another profession that you would love to be doing instead? Wow. Uh, yeah, so... I I do offer um, mentorship outside of our industry and um, to some degree business coaching, but more of the spiritual mentorship. Mm -hmm. Yet at the same time, I don't see the spiritual mentorship as a profession. I, it's just this is um, this is just the right thing to do for the right reasons as a human being uh, without financial motive um so if i didn't need to generate revenue and income at, as a productive member of society you know that's that's what i enjoy doing most is just those one-on-one -on -one moments mm -hmm. with other human beings um purely based on my experience and my understanding of the world and not assuming and not expecting that it's going to be truth for other human beings. Uh, I don't, I don't know about a career, but I don't, I, 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 I don't have, I've been doing, like I said, I've been doing this since for 25 years. The very first day I was shown the internet in January of 95, I knew it was the future mm -hmm. and I knew it was my future. Right. So that's how, ingrained and purely true and true mm. through and through this work is that I do as aligned for who I am meant to be in the world. Mm. Uh, I just don't, yeah, I don't, I don't see another scenario. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. How about best piece of uh, professional advice or uh, just general life advice that that's ever been given to you? Who gave it to you? Wow. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of things. One is, while it is not true that I can be anything I want to be in the world, eight-year-old children being told you can be anything you want is not entirely accurate because this world is a harsh world sometimes and there are limits it is entirely valid to say that the reality we were born into is not necessarily the reality we need to live with for our entire lives with effort application and process to varying degrees, depending on circumstances, we can change our future reality and the process or decision that we go through about a change today does not need to be permanent either. And we don't need to be stuck with the changes that we made in most cases for the rest of our lives either, that we can reevaluate and reassess and adjust again with many things most of the time. There are caveats because this is the, the, the harsh reality of life. However, in spite of the harsh reality of life, reality itself is flexible mm -hmm. um and that's the biggest thing that i can offer humanity mm -hmm. okay 
Um, for people who are newer to the industry and want to, you know, have long-term success, uh, what do you think are some of the keys uh, to success uh, that people should know based on your experience? Start humble, small, start digestible. Keep an open mind, be willing to reflect and reevaluate. Lose the assumptions. Have the courage to explore and experience and try new things. Uh, and uh, hold all of those concepts consistent to the best of your ability throughout your career path, and you'll achieve things that you might not have ever thought were possible in your career. Awesome. Uh, is there anything in SEO right now that has you particularly excited? In SEO? Yeah. 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 What would that be? Uh, as you could it is to our world reality. What I'm really excited about with SEO is not just for those businesses that can take advantage of SEO right now, for those businesses who are going to need to be able to build a sustainable future beyond what they might have had leading into this from their business presence online, we as an industry can be even better and do more to help more businesses to be more sustainable longer term after this as well. And that's really exciting to me. Mm -hmm. That's really a big deal. Excellent. And uh, how about what's next for for you? Do you have any uh, any big plans for yourself coming up? <laughs> yeah. Um, get through the next twenty four hours. Hmm. It's a good start. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so yeah, my final question was uh, just uh, if people want to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to reach you on social media or elsewhere online? Uh, and is there anything in particular you'd like people to check out of yours? Yeah, uh, on Twitter, Alan Blyweiss. So it's A-L-A-N-B-L-E-I-W-E-I-S like Sam, S like Samantha. Alan Blyweiss on Twitter. And alanblyweiss.com is my website. Uh, that's it. Uh, I appreciate anybody who has listened for any portion of this podcast. Uh, and I hope people got some value out of it. Yep, I think so. Um, yeah, Alan, thanks so much for joining us today and sharing your story. This has been a, a really great discussion. Uh, thanks for making the time. And again, thank you for having me on. Of course. All right. So that does it for this edition of the Search Engine Journal Show. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, please tune in again next week for another great episode. Uh, every Thursday morning, uh, you know, make sure to check for us because um, we're dropping episodes every week. 
Um, you want to follow us on, uh, uh, you can follow Search Engine Journal on Twitter at, at SE Journal. Uh, and you can find us on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, please let us know if you have any feedback about our podcast, good or bad. We always want to make them better and more useful to you, our listeners. Uh, and if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at Mr. Danny Goodman. So long and thanks for listening. Hey there, I'm not Brent Satoris. I'm not Danny Goodwin. And I'm not Lauren Baker. That's Greg Finn and Jess Budd, and I'm Christine Zernhaus. If you listen to the Search Engine Journal show, we think you'll love our critically acclaimed SEJ network podcast, Marketing O'Clock. Join us every week as we report the latest SEO, PPC, and social media marketing news. This is a show for real-life marketers who want to do great work. And because we're IRL marketers too, we know you're talking about attribution, schema, and CPCs all day long. So we keep it light with plenty of spicy hot takes, puns and rants. Plus, we talk about what's working hard and what's hardly working in our accounts and share what news stories have us saying WTH every week. So if you're ready to become a better marketer, subscribe wherever you consume podcasts and listen to new episodes fresh for you each and every Friday morning. Only on the SEJ Network.